Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Well, this is the Marines of the church. Everybody else is worshiping on cruise lines, golf courses, and family reunions and ball games. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're really special today. You showed up. I want to talk to you this morning where we left off last week, the anatomy of the blessing part two. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? We're going to be at Numbers chapter 22 here in a moment, but thank you for being here today. You're with some of the finest people in all the state of Oklahoma today. Amen. Verse 5, then he, Balak, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people. To him he called, saying, look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth, and they are settled next to me. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words, of Balak. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, let our ears be open, our hearts receptive to your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. In 2001, Angelina Jolie. Does anybody know who Angelina Jolie is? Um... Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, Salt, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, just kind of catching up to culture here. She's the daughter of John Voight, the actor, and she went to Cambodia in 2001, and she selected out of an orphanage a seven-month-old baby that she named Maddox. A few years later, 2005, she adopted a little girl from Ethiopia that she named Zahara. This little girl was uh, about six months old. Then in 2007, Jolie adopted a son three years old by the name of Pax from Vietnam. Now, here these young people are. They're orphans. They don't have moms or dads. Can you imagine the shift in culture, the shift in place where they have gone from an orphanage in Cambodia and Vietnam and Ethiopia, and now they are the sons and the daughters of a multi-million dollar actress who lives in Hollywood. How many of you think that's a big culture shift? From going to an orphanage to a mansion to a Hollywood star in California. Now, I said all that to say this. How many of you know you've been adopted by Almighty God? Now, as much as maybe you'd like to saddle up to Angelina in her mansion today, you have a much better deal. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And because of that, there are certain blessings that occur to you and they're available to you because of whose you are and who you are. Amen? So we want to continue this uh, 
today about blessing and um, the Lord has blessed you because he selected you and you selected him, right? So we've been adopted into the family of God. Now the Bible says this, that we receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And I say this so often that every way you can get in a family, that's the way God wants you. You can marry in. You can be adopted in, you can be birthed in, and so that's the way that we are in the family of God. So if you were with us last week, we gave you this verse, this is Psalm chapter 5, verse 12, for you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover him with favor as a shield. So there are two things going on there. The Lord what? He blesses us and he favors us. Say that with me. He blesses us and he favors us. They go in tandem, side by side, together, bread and butter. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, here we are, blessing and favor. And if you're with us, we talked about the blessing and the favor of God. Number one, the blessing must be spoken. That's what we talked about last week. The blessing gives us purpose and direction. The blessing has a lingering after effect. Also, the blessing has a residual nature of impartation and conveyance. This is what Potiphar knew. His house was blessed because of Joseph. This is what Laban knew. He was blessed because of Jacob. And number five, blessings and favor usually have tokens of blessing attached to them. Why is Joseph wearing a coat of many color? Because his father, Jacob, favored him. Why is the father, when his son goes out and lives horribly for a period of time, when he comes home, we call him the prodigal son, remember him? He comes home, guess what his dad does? He said, go get, go get the best robe, put a ring on his finger, put shoes on his feet, and kill the skinny calf, right? No, kill the fatted calf. What's he doing? He's saying, I want to favor you because my son has now come home. There is blessing and favor that happens to us because who we are. Now, let me give you the setting and the players of this story. This is an interesting story. If you've never read it, you need to read it. And if you've read it, there are six things I want to give you out of this story. But here's the players. Moses is leading the children of Israel from Egypt to the promised land, going to Canaan. Balak is the king of the Moabites. His name means the destroyer. Say that with me. The destroyer. I mean, this guy's an MMA fighter. I mean, he's WFC, right? And he's called the destroyer. So here he is, and Israel's passing through his country, through his land. He can choose to uh, embrace them, receive the blessing, or he can choose to reject them and war against them. So that's what he does in the latter. Balaam is a diviner, a soothsayer. He uses divination, or the black arts, or the magic arts, we might say. He's the son of Beor. He lives in a place called Pithor, and this place is a place known for divination or soothsaying. Matter of fact, the name literally means that. And the word divination or soothsayer comes from a Hebrew word that is kasam. Have you ever heard of kasam? We use it in our culture, Allah. Kassam. It is an incantation. It is a word that's used in magic. So here you have this guy who's in the dark arts. He's divination. He's a soothsayer. And King Balak is going to hire Balaam to curse God's people as they travel to Canaan. So here's the setting. He sends a delegation to Balaam, verse number 7, and they have the rewards of divination. So he's going to pay for it. So why are they willing to pay 
for this curse. We'll go back to verse 6. We know the story, and this is why. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me. They're too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them, drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed, and whom you curse is cursed. So he has some association with Balaam. He knows his track record. He knows his history, so he's willing to pay for the cursing. Now, Balaam refuses to go. Then there's another delegation that's sent to Balaam, verse 15, and the Bible says they're more honorable than the first group. So the first time he sent the Secretary of State, next time he sends the Vice President, okay? So not only does he send a more honorable delegation, the Bible says in verse 17, the price is up. There's going to be the promise of promotion, great honor, and name your price. Now the reason I know this, here's the line, I will do whatever you ask of me. I will do whatever you ask of me. Whatever you want as payment, that's what I'll pay because I need you to curse this people. Now, here's the question. Why doesn't Balaam go? Recognition, power, wealth, prosperity. Because God had spoken to him and said in verse 12, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. How many of you know you're blessed? God's people are blessed. Now, you may not feel blessed today, but how many of you know you don't go on feelings? You go on faith. So you and I are blessed because we're God's people. Now, Balaam refuses to go, but then God allows him to go. I want to tell you, this is a very interesting story. And I tell you, I haven't figured it all out, but I do know there's some basics here that you and I need to leave with. So God allows him to go, but this is the contingency. You can only say what I allow you to say. Whatever comes out of your mouth needs to be what I put in your mouth. So, Balaam, if you go, you got to speak what I tell you to speak. Now, he goes, and then God's angry that he goes. God's upset with him. So he gets on his donkey, and he takes off, and this is the most interesting story, if you've read it, about a talking donkey. How many of you have ever read about a talking donkey? Okay. So he gets on the donkey. He goes with this, this very important delegation, and the donkey sees an angel standing in the road, and he doesn't want to go any further. So Balaam has his staff in his hand, so he begins to beat the donkey, and he smites the donkey. How many of you ever owned that horse? Well, y'all are so holy. You hadn't owned horses. If you ever had, you've had that horse. So the, the donkey doesn't want to go, so he begins to beat the donkey. The donkey slides him up against the stone wall, crushes his foot and his leg into the wall, and then finally the donkey just sits down in the middle of the road, will not go. So Balaam gets out, he starts beat, beating the donkey, and then, uh, of all things that could happen, God allows the donkey to talk to him. So the donkey says, why are you beating me? And like this is normal, Balaam starts talking back to him. <laughs> this is a crazy story. So Balaam says, this is the reason I'm beating you, because you've embarrassed me in front of this delegation. You crushed my foot into the wall, and now you're, you're, you're laying in the middle of the road. You won't get up. And the donkey says back to Balaam, he says, have I ever done this to you before? <laughs> crazy, right? Have I ever done this to you before? And, and, and then finally, God opens Balaam's eyes to see the angel there. And the story progresses. So Balaam goes with them. He, he meets King Balak. And King Balak says, I need you to curse 
these people. Verse 41, he takes them to the high places, and you'll notice this is the high places of Baal where they do demonic, demon, idol worship. So that's where he's going to prophesy from. This is where he's going to try to curse God's people from. So he takes them up there to the high point, verse 41, and they begin to sacrifice on different altars. So what is our six takeaway things today? If you have a pencil and paper, I want you to get it out because it's very important. Here's number one. There are people in your life who really don't want you to succeed. There are people in your life who do not want you to succeed. That is a harsh reality. And you, you may say this today, everybody wants me to succeed. Hello, smell the coffee, baby. Everybody's not happy that you're going to succeed. Everybody's not happy that you're going to progress. Everybody's not happy that you're gaining ground. Can I hear an amen? There's an enemy that wants you to fail. There's an enemy that does not want you to reach your full potential. There's an enemy that does not want Israel to reach the promised land or the promises of God. So what can we do to overcome the adversity and the adversary of our life? Just like Israel's case, Balak the destroyer does not want them to arrive to their destination. Here's two things. Number one, you and I need the blessing of God. We need, number two, the favor of God. What is grace? We, we've sung about grace today. What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. We said last week, why would God give you blessing and favor? Because what God has sent you to do is bigger than what you're able to do on your own. If you could do it on your own, you would not need the blessing and favor of God. But I want to tell you, God will put things beyond your reach and beyond your capability, but he enables you to do that through blessing and favor. He enables us to do it through blessing and favor. And to do what God wants us to do, we have to overcome our enemy through the blessing of God and favor. Let me give you a verse. This is Psalm chapter 86, verse 17. This is a prayer of David. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. You know what David is saying? I've got enemies in my life, and Lord, I need your favor and your blessing to help me to overcome my enemies. And he says, show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me shall see me and know that you've helped me and you've comforted me. What a powerful verse. You know, I say this sometimes in mentoring class because I think it's true. The spiritual giant Don Meredith, anybody remember who Don Meredith is? Former uh, quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. He said, the higher you go up the flagpole, the more people see your rear end. <laughs> and so the more you try to gain, the more you try to achieve, the more you try to do what's right, there's an element of people that don't want you to succeed. Here's number two. There are spiritual forces that affect us every day. Not only there are people, natural, but there are spiritual forces that affect us every day. Now, why would you say that, Pastor? Go back to verse 6. This is what Balak knows. Come now, curse this people for me. Since they're too mighty for me, perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land. For I know that whom you bless is blessed, whom you curse is cursed. Now, catch this. He says, this people is what? Too mighty for me. He is admitting that I cannot in the natural defeat these people. 
In the natural, they're too big, they're too strong, they're too mighty for me, so I need some help beyond the natural. So what I want you to do, Balaam, I want you to curse them because they're too mighty for me, and if you curse them, maybe I can get a spiritual advantage over them that I may be able to drive them out of my land. Do you know every day when you get up, there are spiritual forces against you? That you and I have an adversary. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, this present world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Loins girded with truth, breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. So every day, what do you do? You armor up because you're going to go out and there's going to be spiritual forces against you. Now, this is what I know from surveys. A third of the church today doesn't believe in a real devil. A third of the church today surveyed does not believe in a real devil. I'm glad I'm a part of this church. I believe the word of God. But today, because of denominationalism, because of culture, because of people's own views and ideas and opinions, they quit believing the word of God. There is a real enemy against you. And he does not want you to arrive at your destination. Just as Balak did not want them to arrive, behind Balak is another spiritual forces that does not want them to arrive. Would you agree with that? Now, when you get up in the morning, there is an enemy of your soul who's the accuser of the brethren, and he wants you to be defeated. So you get up, you put on the armor of God, you go out, and the Bible is explicit. You are warring a good warfare against powers and wickedness and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places, and you've got to be ready to do that. Can I hear an amen? Not only are in the natural there's things against you, but in the spirit there's things against you. This article, this story broke last week. You probably read it, heard about it, watched it on television. We have embassy personnel in China today that are sickened and have brain injuries because something nefarious is going on. A few months ago, 21 embassy employees in Cuba had some of the same symptoms and they had to move them out of the embassy. What in the world is going on? Let me tell you what happened. They began to feel sensations and vibrations and pressures that begin to make them sick, brain injuries. The foreign governments who are against us, this is what they, they surmise, are sending some type of waves or sonic waves into our embassies to make our people sick. You can't see those waves. You really can't hear those waves, but you're picking those up in your body and it's doing damage to your body. Let me tell you, every day you go out, there's things coming from the enemy that's impacting your life that will destroy you if you don't put on the armor of God. 
So there are not only natural enemies, there is spiritual enemies against us. And this is what Balak is saying. If I cannot defeat them naturally because they're too powerful for me, then if you will curse them, maybe I will have a spiritual advantage over them. Are you getting anything out of this? I'm preaching a lot better than what you think. Because we are in a warfare. But if you want to sit there and sing Kumbaya and just make it okay, listen, I'm not the person that you're listening to. You need to know you are in a war, and if you're going to make a difference on this planet, you better engage in Jesus' name. Because we're headed somewhere. I'm not looking for a church that says there's no devil. Jesus believed in the devil. Tempted him 40 days in the wilderness. Matter of fact, Jesus created the devil and said, I beheld him as Satan, you know, being cast out of it like lightning. I beheld Satan thrown out of heaven like lightning. Listen, you have an adversary. You have an enemy. Can I hear an amen? So we have to realize there are spiritual forces at play here. Here's the third thing. God's blessings are greater than the enemy's curses. God's blessings are greater than the enemy's curses. Now, here he is. He's up on a high place. Picture in your mind. He's up on a kind of a mountaintop or hillside. And he's looking across. Israel camped all through here. They're camped. They're headed to Canaan. And he begins his first dialogue, if you will. This is in Numbers chapter 23. I'll begin at verse 8. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks I see them. From the heights I view them. He's talking about Israel. I see people who live apart. They do not consider themselves one of the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or even number a fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like theirs. And Balak freaks out. What's he done? He's hired them to curse so he brings Balaam up. I want you to curse them. So, so now Balaam opens his mouth and what does he say? He says a blessing. And Balak says, hey, I didn't bring you up here to bless them. I brought you up here to curse them. But you know what the Lord said? Only what comes out of your mouth better be what I tell you to say. Now, how can you curse whom God has blessed? God's blessing is greater than the devil's cursing. Always will be, has been, shall be. If it was true in Numbers 23, I want to tell you that it will be true today. God's blessing is greater than the enemy's curses. Here's number four. You need to see yourself as God sees you. You need to see yourself as God sees you. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I know everything that I've done, and it's not always good. How about you? Now, let's pick this up. Verse 21, here's the second thing that begins to come out of Balaam's mouth. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord is... The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. For there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor divination against Israel. Now must, now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, Oh, what God has done. If you have a different translation, it says, Oh, what God has wrought. 
Look, a people rise like a lioness, lifts itself up like a lion, shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. Let me tell you, that is very graphic. But here's the deal. Wait a minute. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Israel. Do you notice what he said? He said, I have not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor have I seen wickedness in Israel. Who's he looking at here? These are the people who've been complaining the whole journey. These are the people who built a golden calf and danced around it naked. Yeah, I said naked in church. It's okay. They danced around the golden calf naked. These are the people who wanted to go back to Egypt. These are the folks who have big issues. But notice what the Word of God says. I have not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor seen wickedness in Israel. Aren't you glad that God looks to you and looks to me through the eyes of grace and mercy? I am so glad God looks at us through the eyes of grace and mercy. I told the early church this morning, you've heard me say, I am the worst sinner I know personally. That's true. Well, Pastor, what do you mean? Aren't you trying to be a good man, a good husband, a good wife, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, example to the family? Uh, aren't you trying to be somebody who's upright? Sure I am. But you know what? I know every thought I think. I know every time I would really like to bless somebody with a brick. I know you're holy. But I'm telling you, thoughts run through my mind. I have feelings and emotions. Thank God I don't act on all of them. I'm going to preach this side over here. Thank God I don't act all of them. But I know what I think and some things that I'd like to do. I am the worst sinner I know personally. But thank God for mercy and grace. I mean, it's like when the high priest goes in once a year to the mercy seat with the blood and he sprinkles the blood over the mercy seat and underneath it the Ten Commandments and then on the Day of Atonement when God looks down and he sees the blood, he doesn't see the law that they've broken. Thank God for the blood. Thank God that he sees the blood and not all of our sin and iniquity, right? Now notice here, these people have some issues but God is looking to them through grace and mercy. Notice the things that God says about his people here. The shout of a king is among them. They're strong as an ox. No sorcery, no divination will work against my people. They will defeat like a lion every enemy. Every once in a while I refer to Brother Ben. Many of you know who Brother Ben was and he's dead, been gone for many years. He was very skinny. He was about 6'1", 6'2", had a bald head. And uh, I remember one time I was with him and somebody was going to curse him. And Brother Ben, you just had to know him, he, he, he stood there and he pointed to his bald head and he said, well, just curse this old bald head, is what he said. He said, just try to curse this old, what, what's he saying? God's blessing is greater than your cursing. How can you bless and how can you curse Balaam? And so Balak says, but if you curse them, maybe I'll have an advantage. But God says, Balaam, only speak. What I give you to speak, and one of his first words was, how can you curse whom God has blessed? Doesn't that make you feel better today? 
that you're blessed by Almighty God. And he says, they will defeat like a lion every enemy. And I like verse 23. What has God wrought? What has God done? And I want you to listen to the last line of the third oracle or the third uh, uh, discourse of Balaam when he tries to do it the third time. This is Numbers 24 verse 9. Blessed are those who bless you and cursed are those who curse you. Where did we hear that the first time? Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, this is what the Lord said to Abram. I will bless you and make you a blessing. Those who bless you shall be blessed and those who curse you shall be what? Curse. What's Balak trying to do? He's trying to curse Israel so therefore by default he shall become what? Cursed. If somebody tries to curse you, he said, then those will be cursed. Here's the fifth thing. You have to see your position and not just your condition. You have to see your position and not just your condition. Even though these people are not without fault and not without issue, they are still the people of God. The people of God, can I give you just a heads up here? The people of God still have issues. I was listening to someone the other day and this was the question. Well, because we're saved, we should not sin anymore. We are free from all sin. Well, that's a good thought. We're free from all sin because of what Jesus has done. But have you ever read Paul's writings to the church from Romans all the way through? He's not writing to the world. How many of you know he's writing to the church? If you ever read that, there's some big issues with church people. I mean, look at the person next to you. There's some big issues with church people. That means we have the capacity to make a mistake. We have the capacity to fall on our face. We have the capacity to commit a sin. But here's the good news. Every morning, his mercy is brand new. Every morning you and I can still walk in the grace of Almighty God. Amen? But just because we're saved and we have grace and mercy and blessing doesn't mean that we don't have difficulties and issues in our life. But the good news is every day you can get that right with God, right? And he can continue to bless you. And he can continue to bless me. So I have to realize I have sometimes a condition, but I also have a position that I am in Christ and Christ is in me the hope of glory so therefore I can keep going because of my position and not just because of my condition. Does that make sense? How many of you have ever been to the grocery store Walmart and you wanted to discipline somebody else's children? It's true, isn't it? If that was my kid, this is what I'd do. But see, here's the thing. Because my boys are my boys, I get to do two things to them. Here's, here's the best thing. I get to bless them. And because they're mine, and not that I'm trying to discount all the other kids of the world, but because they're mine, I have a certain position and relationship with them and they have a position with me and they 
partake of the blessings because of their position. Can I tell you over all the years that I've had my boys that sometimes their condition wasn't always good? I know your kids are perfect. But in my family, sometimes my boys didn't always have the right condition. Now, I'd give them an attitude adjustment every once in a while. But because of their position, they had certain rights and privileges and blessings. And also, because of their position, I could correct them. And I could reprimand them. And I could adjust them. You can't do that with everybody. You'd like to do that with everybody, but you can't do that with everybody. But listen, you've got to say, I'm in a position that I have to focus on and not always on my condition. And let me tell you why. This is scriptural. Do you remember when Jacob, when he was trying to go back and, and meet Esau, and there's a lot of bad blood there. And he was afraid Esau was going to kill him. He's married. He has children. He, he's pretty well off. He, he has a lot of flocks and different things and riches. And he's trying to go back home. And he's afraid Esau is going to kill him. Well, the night before they, they get to the place where they're getting close, he goes out by himself one night. And, and what happens? He wrestles with an angel all night long. You remember that? Jacob wrestles with an angel. So here they are, they're wrestling. And the angel says, you need to let me go. The day's going to break. I need to move on from here. Do you remember what Jacob said to him? He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is this deal about the blessing? Why is this so important? I will not let you go till you bless me. Listen, this is the same Jacob who connived and deceived his father Isaac out of Esau's blessing so he'd have the blessing. If you were here last week, this is what I said. If there's nothing to the blessing, why is he trying to get it? If there's nothing to the blessing, what's God doing? Blessing his creation, blessing the seventh day, blessing Adam and Eve, blessing Noah's sons and, and Noah when they uh, walk off the ark. What is God doing blessing if there's nothing to the blessing? Why does Jacob want the blessing of Isaac if there's nothing to the blessing? Because there is something to the blessing. And now he wrestles this angel all night long and he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, notice how the conversation turns. When he says that, the angel says to Jacob, he says, what's your name? Well, I thought we were talking about a blessing here. What's your name? Now, why is he asking this? Because many years before, the last time he was directly asked this in, in relationship to what we're talking about, here he is before an older father, Isaac, and he goes in under the guise of Esau and his father felt him and smelled him because his eyes weren't good. And he says, who are you? And he says, my name is Esau. But it was really who? Jacob. So when he goes years later, he's wrestling with the angel and the angel says, what is your name? What does that have to do with anything? Because the last time you said you were Esau. I'm Jacob. And so now, 
Jacob, come to this place, bless me, and here's the blessing. You shall no longer be called Jacob. From now on, your name shall be Israel, for you have power with God. How many of you know you got power with God? You have cachet with God. Why? Because God has blessed you. Now here's the last one. Here's number six. Our future, your future, is bright if you make the right choices and you rest in the favor and the blessings of God. I didn't share this in the early service, but I want to share it with you. Do you remember when they finally got to Canaan and God spoke? And this is what he said. When you go into the promised land, I want you to walk between two mountains. One will be called the mountain of cursing and one will be called the mountain of what? Blessing. And as you walk through these two mountains, there are going to be people on the sides of the mountains and they're going to be speaking, this is what happens if you don't obey and walk with God. You're going to be cursed. But on the other side, as you walk down in this valley, there are other people on the mountains that are going to say, this is what's going to be happening if you obey God and you walk with him, you're going to be blessed. So you and I, all the time, on our journey, are walking between the blessing and the cursing. You know what I decided? I'm going to choose the blessing. I'm going to choose the blessing, aren't you? Because you and I, because of our position in Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory, you and I can constantly walk in the blessing. Does that mean we are free from all kind of trouble and tribulation and pain and challenges? Not at all. Because as the children of Israel went to the promised land, how many of you know, they had a boatload of trouble. They had a boatload of opposition. They had a boatload of, of challenges. I want to read you the last part, the final words of Balaam as he begins to speak to Israel. This is in chapter 24, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down the sons of Sheath. Edom shall be dispossessed. Seir also his enemies shall be dispossessed. Israel is going and doing valiantly, and one from Jacob shall exercise dominion. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about Jesus. Now, hundreds of years before Jesus would ever be birthed in Bethlehem, Balaam is talking about him in this passage. This is what he says. He says, one from Jacob shall have dominion. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Do you know that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And he will ultimately defeat every enemy in this world. Past, present, future, every enemy shall be vanquished. And if you and I are in him and he's in us, then we will be victorious and every enemy shall be defeated. Can I look at this last one with you? Because who is hiring Balaam to curse Israel? The Moabites, Balak the king of the Moabites. Look with me at verse 17, the last line. This one out of Israel shall crush the forehead of of Moab. You know what he's saying? Balak, you're fighting against God's people 
and you will not win. You're going to be defeated. But those who are with this one that's going to rise out of Israel, who has the scepter. What's the scepter? That's what the king holds. This one who's going to rule. This one who's going to have dominion. This one, this one will have complete dominion over all things. And how many of you know, we've looked at the back of the book and we win. Let me tell you why we win. Because we're with the winner. And the winner is Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And everyone who puts their trust, their faith in him, shall have dominion and victory with him. But if you don't, how many of you know, it's not going to be a good ending. That's why we have to choose. That's why we have to say, Lord, I choose you. At the end of this passage, the players were what? Balak, king of the Moabites. This diviner, this soothsayer, Balaam, when he gives this last blessing upon Israel, it says, and they both went their ways. You know why? It was over. Because the last words he said was, Moab, you're going to be crushed. And every time Balaam would get up to curse Israel, just a blessing would come out. And Balak would just freak out. I'm not paying you to bless them. I'm paying you to curse them. But how can you curse whom God has blessed? Wow. I'm going to leave on that, aren't you? How can you curse whom God has blessed? Would you bow your head with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.